0: Sounds awful. Yeah. No wonder, no wonder
1: people skip through the intro song with that horrible singing, James.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm on a hype train right now. I don't know why I'm so stoked for this podcast right now.
1: You know why we're stoked? Well, we're stoked to have TB Tyler Brown on show, show number th-
0: show number 33. Everybody,
1: show number 33. Have a good. to
0: Have TB on. It will. Great speaker. Great man in the sport.
1: I think we're stoked for the future because we just bought new podcast equipment and it's fucking unreal.
0: You don't even know. Our podcast right now, we knew it was janky, but we did, we thought we were pretty good about it. No. Next like, next show, we are bringing this shit to the next fucking level.
1: No, no, no. We went big. We spent quite a bit of money and we got a legitimate mixer, like real like real podcasts have. So like, you're gonna, yeah. You guys don't even know the stuff we're about to put out in the future. You don't even know. Like <laughs> The sound quality of these mics is pretty good, but with the mixer and the new XLR mics we got... It's the same studio quality that they have on other podcasts.
0: Yeah, it's actually really cool. It's really funny that, yeah. First of all, we got these microphones with a little tripod that came with them. We're like, damn, we're pretty cool. We're making this podcast legit. (laughs) Then we got these little stands that we put on your table here, and we just attached to your computer. Okay, no. Now we're making this shit legit.
1: No, we've steadily got more legit until... And now that we have this... Okay, first of all, for the record, we're not using the nice equipment right now. This no. is the same. <laughs> we should probably make that clear. We should make it clear. Like, the stuff we're using now is the <laughs> usual still... stuff. The stuff for this podcast, this episode, is our usual equipment, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But the stuff we got, you guys don't even know the you quality d- we're going to have. Yeah. You guys don't even know. The <laughs> stuff we're going to be able to produce, not even just the show quality, but the extra stuff we can do with sound bites, and intro, outro, like, I'm talking legitimate podcast
0: now. Yeah. Yeah, you guys better stay tuned. It's so, gonna be big.
1: So this is gonna be the last sucky one.
0: Yes, <laughs> there's a reason why we that we're not doing it. We have part of it. We're still waiting on some of the quality equipment. Quality-wise, I
1: should say, not not guest-wise, quality-wise.
0: Quality-wise, the guests are fantastic. Yes. It's just our quality in the yes. studio. Actually, we should just bring the rant in now because the rant is part of this equipment. Why we don't have it. So, anyways, we ordered all this equipment. One of our microphones was on back order. Well, when it all came in, I opened everything up to like you know make sure we had all the pieces we need. I found out we don't have the mic cords that connect to the mixer. So I was like, okay, well, that sounds pretty easy. It's just a mic cord. You just go down to the local Best Buy or electronics store to get it. I look online, I look on the Best Buy website. I quickly see the picture of what I need. I'm like, boom, there it is. That's what I need, <laughs> okay? Well, I go down to the local Best Buy by my house. This is the electronics store. I'm like, hey man, do you guys have these cords? I saw you have them online. He's like, oh, if you go over to that, that aisle there, you should be able to find all the cords that, you know, that we have. I go over there, can't find it. Go to another guy, he's like, no, I don't think we have it. I was like, you guys, like, I see it on your website. I pull it up on the website to show, and little behold, it says it's only available online. Okay, so all these people that tell you to shop local, okay, well, how am I supposed to shop local if you don't have the product? Okay, If, I, if, I, if I'm gonna have to buy it online, I'm just gonna buy it from Amazon and get it way cheaper than I'm gonna go f- buy it from your online store. Here's the thing,
1: it's way better to um, <clears throat> buy locally but you need mm-hmm. to have the products. Mm-hmm. You need to have the products. What's well, we the put- point of a store if you don't have the product? I, we're turning into such an electronic world that you can't even go to the store to buy the product. <laughs> like, I'd much rather go and actually get it there, especially with electronic, because then you can actually see it, maybe mm-hmm. test it out, talk to someone. Because online, it's a bit of a gamble. You just kind of read reviews. You don't see it. You might get it. It's completely different.
0: Especially with us who don't know what we're doing. No,
1: exactly. We don't know. We're just yeah. winging it. Yeah. So how do you not have it?
0: I know. You
1: have it on your website. No wonder you're losing business.
0: <laughs> I walked right out of there. I went home, ordered off Amazon. Boom. This is why Amazon delivered, gets Delivered. Exactly. It's just so much easier. You're going to save like five bucks probably. And when you're buying all these things, it's way easier. The one downside, we're still waiting for one mic. Yeah, we're still waiting on this guy. And I hope it comes before next week's show. <laughs> we're praying. That's why. We're yeah. praying. We, we need that We got a mic. decent
1: guest on next week.
0: You guys don't even... Like <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it's going to be the biggest show we've ever had.
1: That's a big No, favorite. I don't care. I'm, I'm, s- I'm
0: bold as hell. This is going to yeah. be the biggest show it's, we've ever it's, had. It's going to be a good one. I'm already looking forward to one. it. I'm already going to say it's the best. It's my favorite. Yeah. But it's going to be a good one. We need the fucking cord and mic for this. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Actually,
1: you know what? Next week is going to be a sick show. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Either way, it's going to be yeah. amazing. Um, winning starts the great
0: gate. Thanks to ProGate Europe for supporting the show tb has a really good step start. you know what tb has a great gate yeah tb has a really good gate. one of the best starters especially and even not just vet pro even all the pros he is very i love yeah, his form his
1: gate form is really sound mm-hmm. um, he did good. a lot of gates on pro gate europe
0: a lot of gates yeah i think i think he has a pro gate europe somewhere in chula vista who doesn't have a pro gate europe? every it's the only gate out there. i don't right?
1: understand if you don't have a pro gate europe what are you even doing
0: why are you even training what are you doing you can't race without a pro gate europe literally the only gate out there only one out there <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. i saw the dutchies have their indoor setup pro it's gate pro, europe uh, yeah well, how good does pro do, gate how europe. good does that look otherwise known as a gate uh, the gate if you hear someone say a gate it's a program i gate actually europe. haven't seen it, it uh, i good. just saw harmson's video and it's just there they have i think it's like a two-man gate um good setup down their running track i think indoor pretty good setup i wish we had that
1: yeah Who, I always, uh, yeah no sorry go
0: ahead i was gonna say the one thing we always i say that we want to stand close to your mic or you thank you dick around far away from your mic i'm getting excited people (laughs) this is why we need our new setup i would have heard that through my microphone that i wasn't speaking properly close enough whatever anyways yeah they have it on indoor running track it's one thing we don't have in vancouver we don't have a place to sprint indoors and it's too bad that's all we need
1: which is kind of like all the climates we're one of the ones who
0: really need it seriously it's raining damp and wet all the time like yeah we really do need it out of
1: all the dutchies who do you think would be fastest on the indoor on the indoor gate with that setup.
0: I would say Big Devo, Vandenberg. Yeah, Devo's a horse. And I feel like in that's, that kind of setup, you just got to be able to push them cranks in a straight line. And Devo's so good at that.
1: Yeah, I think Big Dave would be the fastest one. Or actually, Big Devo would yeah. be the fastest one. Big Dave is David Herman.
0: I guess so. I, yeah, Devo. Dave-o. Yeah, it's got to be Big Devo. Yeah, it's got to be specific people. Yeah, Big Devo. I think hammond Harmson would have a good battle. Yeah, I agree. Those two I are agree. just like power Yeah, I agree. So, uh, do you want to do this fun game I, I made up? Yes, do it. Okay, so... I was in the latest Poll magazine, and I was having a laugh. Not, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Uh, no, not I was in the magazine. <laughs> I, I was looking in the magazine, <laughs> okay. And they had a picture of like I don't know different products that are out, I guess, right now. So I took a picture, and I'm gonna say something, and you got to tell me what what this is. Um, truth. That's a that's a frame. You do? You know it's a frame? Okay, it's a carbon frame. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Where is this frame coming from? I have from? no idea. Why are they making a carbon frame? I've heard of it, but yeah. I don't know. Okay. Sugar cane. a <laughs> crop people grow? <laughs> it's another frame. I've never heard no, of it. No way. This one's an aluminum. Sugar cane. This one's looking like an aluminum frame, but I'm like, or really I don't know, but either way, sugar cane. Okay, and what's true. the next one? That's all I got. Sugar cane. Yeah. <laughs> That's a frame? That's a, yeah. When? Where? I don't even know. Here's a picture. You guys can't see it. It's a frame in the pull magazine. But I saw these two Jeez, frames I've next, never heard next of to that. each other, and I, I had to be like, okay, that's ridiculous. Come on. There's so many of these companies just making frames. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of frame companies nowadays. Yeah. I mean, s Square is the only one out there, really. S-Squared, Claiborne. There's, there's a Claiborne one, I, too. Yeah, I think those are the
1: two, but um, other than that, yeah. yeah. I don't even know any other ones. So
0: I thought that was pretty funny. I had to bring that up quickly. Yeah.
1: So Sylvan's social media check-ins, the 15 BMX video, the Paris first jump. Holy crap. <laughs> so what's the girl's name? Um, I don't let's actually search, know her let's name. Search it real quick. But what our friends like
0: over at fifteen BMX. They shared the video of her on Paris Paris what I S I don't know.
1: Paris Supercross. Yeah. For those of you that haven't seen it, the case is surreal.
0: You got you honestly have to go check it out.
1: So she rolls in, goes down, gets, looks like she gets
0: G'd out a little at the bottom. Yeah, it must have been one of the first few times she's been down the hill. I'd say El- Elodie, I'm probably saying this wrong, but lodi post deck. Okay. And so she goes down the hill. Elodie,
1: yeah. Pumps the transition. Here we go. G out. Case it, blows a hand off, almost sits down on the bike, blows a hand off, blows it off again, <laughs> puts the hand back in the bar, and somehow rides it out. That's got to be one of the greatest saves of all time.
0: Can you think of another save that's that good? I, have, I can't. Honestly, how many times have you had a limb come off, like a handle, a hand come off the bike and you ride away from it?
1: A bit of luck, but also st- like strength, stability.
0: Yeah, Honestly. Yeah, you got to be lucky that the timing and balance is off because normally when you have your hand come off like that, normally it's bad news.
1: So, it happened to me one time in Madrid in 2010, the year when they had the box jump. Okay, yeah. So, it was a quarter, I think. I was going through the third straight (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know what happened, but I went to manual halfway through and I think you went like pick up, manual, manual, jump, jump or something. Okay. And one of the manuals or jumps, my arm blew off. I think it was one of the jumps and I grabbed like... Where the crossbar meets like the upper part of your bar. What's that? I don't know what that's called. Yeah, I don't really but know. But anyway, you know So the like my hand blew and off and then I just like went to grab something. So I just grabbed <laughs> that part and then like absorbed the jump, jumped the next one and then moved, moved it back to my grip. Oh my God. It was one of the best saves I've ever had. So <laughs> when I saw this video, it made me think of that. Yeah, okay. Because like I literally just grabbed something. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. You're in
0: absolute panic mode at that point. Oh my God, God I'm, I'm going to die. just do anything you can. Show must go on. Show End up getting like go. second
1: or third and put it through the semi. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I think nothing happened, just was, move on it.
1: Yeah, I think I was, yeah, I would have been 17, I think. Just yeah. Turning 18, yeah, I was young.
0: That was, those were cool races, those indoor uh, Madrid races where they were, their tracks were a little gnarly by the looks of it. Oh, Everything yeah. was a little too tight. Oh, that one was so tight. But because of the dirt turns and the fresh track, people <laughs> were just fucking going for it. Oh, the Madrid,
1: so I raced it in 2010. I was still junior. It was my start of my second year junior. The track was gnar. Was, it was it? really gnarly. Like yeah. it was so tight. The triple into the first corner had a really steep backside, um, and the second straight with like the box jump. There's the first gear that I think they brought in the box jump. Um, was pretty scary for practice. They put like foam, uh, like blow up. Uh, what are those things called?
0: I guess airbags. Those airbags, whatever. Yeah. yeah they put them yeah. like
1: in the between the uh, landings. So, I mean, if you bailed off, you could hit those, and I mean, pretty much everyone did. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stadium was cool, and it had a lot of people downtown Madrid.
0: That was pretty cool. It seemed like they was yeah in a cool location. Yeah, I did watch the videos. I remember. I don't know who posted it, but they used to. I think it was on Vimeo. I don't know if you remember people using Vimeo back in the day. Where did that go? By Vimeo the way? and Viddler. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Was it, there was another video? Uh, one, two, three videos. Oh shit! Uh, Keep going. We're dropping shit in the background. Anyway, somebody made a video of a compilation of everybody's first tries, like everybody going for the box oh, show. Oh, yeah, dude.
1: It was crazy. It was so funny. It cause was the,
0: scary. The jump before it was peaky and small. Oh, yeah. So, like, people were nosediving, oh, overshooting. My God, I just broke my phone case. Did you really? I just snapped <laughs> my just phone snap. case in half.
1: Tori just snapped his phone Are case you in the back me.
0: Corner. I bet you can go to your local store and buy one.
1: Oh, <laughs> my God, I just snapped my phone case. You
0: would be happy with it wasn't your phone. I, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, continue. Uh, but that and the amount of people that would like endo like go nose heavy over that double and just launch into the box jump was surreal and then they would try to pull brakes dude. wouldn't have time to pull brakes and they yeah. just eat shit into the air. I, I
1: did I mean pretty much everyone did honestly
0: you had to right yeah
1: you had to dude if they didn't have those things there people there would have been casualties straight up
0: like honestly it looked gnarly because you couldn't break and ride down no you couldn't what do they do when they brought out the box jump at like Papendall in London when they are actually like I guess Papendall they had it where you could ride down it but London it was actual jump on jump off
1: London was really small from what I remember it
0: It wasn't a big deal so no matter what you just went basically yeah they didn't have
1: it at the Olympics but they had it at the test event okay but they have at the Olympics
0: the Olympics had the Red Bull one or maybe obviously it was no, that was the
1: test event. Oh, they had a step up. Yeah, has a step up. Oh, they, they, the the test event they had a Red Bull. But it was tiny and it was actually kind of cool. It was like
0: jump on, jump off. Yeah, right? but it
1: was like flowy. It
0: wasn't flat. Okay, yeah. And
1: it was pretty small from what I remember. So I don't think that was an issue. Especially because we had already rode Madrid and Papandal, so that was that was cake after all those. <laughs> <to> <laughs> yeah, those <that's> ones.
0: fair. <laughs> That, so, the triple end of that first turn in Madrid was what I thought was so gnarly because so if you were in lane one and you were like oh, jumping yeah. in and you went straight up this turn with people flooring it from the Someone's outside. Someone's getting blown up. Yeah. yeah. Dude, if they did that today, they,
1: no one would make it past the first corner. Everyone's too big and strong and fast.
0: And people would be like livid.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is this? Yeah, We can't ride this. So uh, we got a message on, on our Instagram, about, uh, on the Coffee Chatter Instagram. Um, where is it here? I got a message about how to get sponsored in BMX. Um, so, I guess if you're it depends on how old you are, but generally speaking, if you're like a kid or an up and coming amateur that's looking to get sponsored, I think the first thing is you shouldn't have the attitude to want to, you know, you shouldn't be in the sport to want to get sponsored. You Should be in to want to do well and be successful and do it for personal enjoyment, growth, competition, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that being said, like as you get better and stuff, obviously you need some support worth parts or stuff or getting to races and all that. But you need to be, so obviously you need to be, have good results. It's kind of mm-hmm. basic, but it's kind of half of it. You also need to be really marketable and you, the sponsor has to be able to kind of like use you to sell their products basically mm-hmm. in a basic sense. So in that aspect, you have to be um, personable with people. You have to like look good in ads. You have to, um, portray the brands well and advertise well for the brands and just be a really good ambassador for um, the sponsors and brands.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. At the end of the day, you're right. It, it comes down to all right, someone's going to sponsor you because they think you can support them in a, in a way in return, right? Yeah. So if you can't provide them with something or product in return, then why would they want to sponsor you? So whether that be you being a, such a good racer that at the end of the day you're getting exposure from winning all the time, that's one way. Or maybe, yeah, you have a great personality around the track. You help people out at your local club, that kind of thing. That's also something to kind of, I don't know, add to your, what would you call that? Adds to what you can offer, basically. Yeah. Or nowadays, like, having a good social media presence as well.
1: Yeah, like, all those like, things that make you have to be an overall good package. Do well uh-huh. at the races. Be very personal, like I said. Um, represent the brands well. It'd be One of the main things, you got to be likable. Like, if you're a dick. Yeah.
0: No one's going to want to sponsor you. Yeah, let's be real. Let's like a motocross for it to take. You look at Dean Wilson. Okay, he hasn't had, let's say, the top results compared to the, the big dogs. He has a factory ride though. Why? Because he's one of the most likable, likable guy in the pits.
1: Yeah, and obviously, if you're like a Tomac or, or like a… Yeah, Tomac. Or like anyone in, like that in sport, you're going to get sponsors and everything yeah. because you, if, you, if you just win everything, obviously, people are going to want you to want to sponsor you. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, that's kind of half of it. You have to be very marketable.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. I like with what, you, what you first said, too. It's like, as a kid, yeah, you do want to get sponsored, but you don't want to look at it as, what do I need to do to get sponsored? Do you want to look at it, too? What can I do to, I don't know, enjoy what I'm doing? I mean, provide a good platform for myself kind of thing. You don't want to look at it as, hey, how to, just how do I get sponsored?
1: No, like, That's my advice, just go and race and do your best, and that'll come. Mm-hmm. Just focus Be, on, It gets yeah. noticed. Yeah, focus on getting better, and trust me, if you do well, you'll get noticed. Mm-hmm. Like If you start winning nationals and doing well, wherever you are, people will notice you and the sponsors will come. Yeah, straight up. Yeah. So that's, that's my advice. That's what my parents always told me and that's what people told me when I was an amateur when we wanted some more support when I was getting to that age. Mm-hmm. Um, you do well, the sponsors, sponsors
0: will be waiting for you at the finish line. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I think a good person to ask is our guest coming on. He has his own team, 316 Racing. Okay, I'm sure he gets a lot of people saying, hey, how do I come on your team? How do I ride for you? Should
1: we call him up? Let's call him up. Let's hear his story. Up. Let's
0: hear about everything. Somewhere deep in Chula Vista. He's Let's hear about Mr. Chula Vista BMX. Tyler Brown. Hello.
1: Yo, TB. How's it going, brother?
2: Good, my man. How about you?
1: Good, good. What are you up to? Oh, you are getting real dad life going on right now. Cassie had
2: to ditch me tonight, so it's just uh me and Claire hanging out waiting to chat to you guys. Oh, uh, we at
1: two guests in the party
0: tonight.
2: Yeah, you got two. You got two. One of them can't quite talk yet, but she's uh she's with us.
0: She's a she's a star on her own, Tyler.
2: That's it. That's it. We just got finished cleaning a a dirty diaper, so we're all set, boys. <laughs> how's how it How's How's dad life? We have to, it's, it's cool, man.
1: It's cool cuz cool. we we've, we've had some obviously like you and Maris and Joris and so Sil- like there's a lot of new Parents at BMX, which is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say it's. I mean, it's it's a lot of work, and it's a big like just lifestyle change. Not, I mean, just readjusting the schedule. But I mean, it's a ton of fun, man. It makes me look forward to like it's It makes it harder to leave at races, and really exciting to come home.
1: Yeah, it probably helps put things in perspective too. Like if a race doesn't go well or something.
2: No, you're you're totally right, man. If it doesn't go well or anything like that, like. I get to come home to a smiling, happy little baby, and, and life's good, you know.
0: Yeah, I think that's a huge part. Yeah, we talk about our, so there's so many people in BMX. You know, we lose a race, and it just feels like the end of the world. But hey, we got we got bigger and better things we can go go to.
2: You're exactly right. Exactly right. So, uh, you guys being dads anytime soon then?
0: Uh, well, I'm I don't plan on, <laughs> on Terry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> now, you got a couple more steps to go through first.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, not yet. But um, I definitely do want to be a dad. Yeah, in the future. Yeah.
2: That's cool. Well, I know you guys pretty well, so you guys will make good dads whenever you're ready. Oh, thanks, bro. I
1: I need to start with getting a girlfriend, but yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) James, I've been telling James he needs a girl in San Diego too. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we had a good trip there, okay? We played a lot of golf. Yeah.
2: There you go. Good times, good times. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So obviously you're out coaching tonight, you said. You stopped at eight. Um, How many days a week do you coach with the track?
2: Uh, Every day? I don't know. No, um... So let's see, right now we have our league programs going on, so we coach Monday nights through our leagues, we race Tuesday, I do private coaching Wednesday, public coaching Thursday, uh, we race Friday night, and then we have our
0: beginner leagues and private track rentals on Saturday. Talk about a full schedule. It is a full <laughs> schedule, wow.
2: Dude, it, uh, you know what, it's cool to see though, it's cool to see that BMX can bring that, and there, there's a want and a demand here, and like... Like, I'm not, like, trying to make this stuff happen. Like, the, the community wants it, so it's cool to see that, that the public wants enough BMX that we can be running six days a week out here. I mean, to be honest, I could do stuff on Sunday, too, but I just kind of had to put a hard stop at it. It's like, I need one day a week that I can spend with my family.
1: Oh, you need a day off for sure. You can't, yeah, that's that's way too much work. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but I mean, if uh, if I wanted to, I like, I could do birthday parties on Sunday, and you know, I mean, I could keep scheduling stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: So the different groups you have, like, how do you how do you mix up the groups? Like when you do private coaching, do you do like novices or younger kids, or and then older kids, or what do you do typically?
2: Um, with my private coaching, if I'm doing one on one, it's just it's really whoever wants to book the spots and hire me. But I mean, that's pretty. It's pretty hard for me to fit much private coaching in at the moment. Um, so my other two things that I do is I do private group training. So I have a group of really good like. 10 to 13-year-olds that I coach, and it's a small group setting, so there's, like, six kids max, and then I have another group that's, like, 15-year-olds, and, like, those kids are shooting for, like, NAG titles, and some of them got, like, podiums last year at Grands and, like, 15 expert, and, like, we got some really fast kids that are, I think, actually probably going to race junior a little bit next year, too, and try to dabble in that.
0: That's awesome. I think that size of group, it works really well. Like, people talk about wanting private coaching often, and I, I sometimes, like, I hear that, and I almost shy away because the... Yes, you get great time with the coach, but riding with somebody else or a couple other people even, you get to see the skills that they have and you almost get to push each other. And at the end of the day, you're getting the same amount of coach time as you would with you know one person or three riders at the same time. Do you agree?
2: No, you're exactly right. And that's actually how these groups started because I was private coaching like – for these kids at different times throughout the week. And, you know, I was spending a ton of time at the track. They were doing their thing one out, one at a time. And then I said, hey, forget it. Let's group you guys together. I'm going to put together a training program. It doesn't matter if it takes an hour and ten minutes. We're going to go through the whole training program. Let's get together and really put in work. And it's been really cool to see how these kids have progressed. And like I said, they started winning nationals and and doing really well. And it's been a, a really fun program. I enjoy working with these guys and girls.
0: Yeah,
1: that's cool. How did you... So how did you become like a track operator and coach? Like how did did that all come about?
2: So it was 2012. Um, I gave it a, I was like, okay, I'm going to give everything I can to my Olympic run in 2012. I came closer in 08 and in 2012 I had a bad crash right before the world championship. Missed the world championship and my hope of going to the Olympics was pretty much done at that point. And I was kind of sitting around like, well, shoot, what's next? You know, what do I do in this sport? Am I going to stay in here? Do I just get a regular job? What do I do? And uh, Chula Vista at that time, it was kind of struggling. The the numbers weren't really there. And USABMX was going to consider closing the track because the costs were just so high. They hit me up. They're like, hey, would you ever be interested in running a track? And I was like, heck, yeah, I'd love to. do that'd be great. And then, because I was already doing clinics out here, so I was already kind of familiar with the locals and stuff like that. And then uh, they gave me the offer, and I took the track over from there and kind of never looks back since.
0: That's pretty cool, and it seems like you've done a lot. Like you say, you do the, uh, you have the leagues as well. How did you start those? Because I think that's a great idea, and it looks like it's a lot of fun for the coaches and for the kids.
2: Man, that, I mean, that's been such a fun program. I mean, Tori was a part of it. I mean, yeah. This la this last league filled up. We filled 40, 40 spots in forty eight hours, and all it was from was like two Instagram posts. Hmm. It filled up. And that was actually um, kind of stemming off the Beginner League program that Donnie put together. He put together a really cool program, and I kind of did my own version of it, the Beginner League-wise. And I was like, hey, this is really cool. How can I involve intermediate expert riders in kind of this same structure? And that was kind of how the the, the Advanced League was born, and, and it's been going ever since. We've been doing a handful of them every
1: year. Honestly, the Advanced League was so much fun. I, loved, I looked forward to it every week. It was cool because... Not only was it like you had your team cause, so you could build on stuff every week, but it was really fun because we'd watch the races on the weekend and cheer for our kids and stuff. I really enjoyed it. Mm.
2: Yeah, and the kids start trash-talking each other, and the parents get into it. And like, Honestly, our track moto count like, doubles. We'll go, from, <laughs> you know, we'll go from 10 motos to 20 motos when the league is going on because the other riders that aren't in the league are like, oh, cool, I know Chula Vista BMX is going to get a lot of riders. We need to be out there on Friday night because the racing is going to be good.
0: That's, that's so cool. So it turned into such a community. I love that.
2: Yeah, no, it's a fun ton of fun. We really do. I mean, we're super blessed out here. We have a really good local family and community, so it's it's a really cool program.
1: How do you how do you get more how did the I guess the track grow more? Like how did you get more people to come out and how did that all work?
2: I think it was just I really what what I really focused on when I took the track over is I wanted to build exactly like you guys said. I wanted to build a community and a family. So the biggest thing that I always did is every night when I first took over the track uh I, I would walk out to the bleachers and i would try to shake as many people's hands and say hello to them and just i wanted everybody to feel welcome because we all know i mean you guys remember your first time at the track like when you don't know somebody it can be kind of intimidating for sure yeah so mm-hmm. i wanted to go out there and i wanted to make the the new people feel welcome and like hey let me introduce myself all the way to like the top riders like hey thank you very much for coming all the way out here to chula vista bmx i know that you know if you're a current bmxer you probably don't live in the area and it's a 30 minute drive so thanks for coming out and we appreciate you being here. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from there, I mean, that was just kind of word of mouth growing. And then we looked at other programs that we can do. Can we do birthday parties? Even though they don't really grow the track, or you know, private track rentals, or you know, league stuff, or whatever it may be, and just kind of try to continue to grow. I, I did everything. I worked with Boy Scouts, YMCA stuff. You name it, I tried it.
0: I mean, that's cool. I think it's it's cool. You added that touch of just uh, making it like a community make it summer home make people feel welcome when they're there because even if you're pros and we go to a new track and you you go there and you kind of like don't know where to put your stuff you don't know where to sit (laughs) or stand you don't know how the track works like you're right it can be a little awkward at first so it's good to see that like you do that and make it make everybody feel welcome
2: and i think i was just in a lucky position where like i was still able to live off bmx at the time i was running the gt program as well so like i was able to really dedicate a lot of my time into the track as where i totally get like i couldn't imagine being a you know, a parent and just have to work 40 hours and go do the track, too. Like, I don't think it would have been successful if I was in that situation.
1: Oh, those parents that volunteer, they work their job all day and volunteer at the track. Like, that's – they're incredible. You mm-hmm. don't really realize yeah. when you're a kid. You know, you just see – your parents or other parents running the track or running gates, you don't think
0: it's that big of a deal. But now, like, we're older, like, holy crap. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a lot. You just get mad when they're not there to run the gate yeah. on time. You're like, where are you? Come on, like, run the gate. Like, <laughs> yes. They got a life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I ready
1: to go. Uh, <laughs> so, obviously, we see you running the track and everything, but, like, behind the scenes, like, how much work is it actually? Like, what do you have to do during the day to make sure it's ready and get it going and all that? Um.
2: I don't know. I work a ton, guys. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I probably work 12 hours a day, but it's, it's easy because my my job is my passion and vice versa. So as far as, like, the actual track, like, it doesn't take a massive amount of work because I try to front load all my work. Like, that's why I do the soil tack and slurry. Right. So I'm yep. not out watering and raking. Like, I've mm-hmm. got my setup to where it can be pretty quick, but, like, more behind-the-scenes stuff is, like, our league, our, our, our league stuff. Like when I get home, I'm doing all the scoring. Cassie's doing all the accounting and making sure the insurance for USA BMX is paid. We got to make sure the trophies are paid. Um, I have to rent a generator and a mobile mini and pay my rent and everything like that. And so all those, all those little things are kind of what's going behind just a local track. But I mean, then we do a ton of BMX beyond that, just with the USA Cycling side of things and everything like that. That's sick. Just running your own business yeah no it, re- it really is and it's been it's been we've been super <clears> blessed that we've been able to turn it into like a legitimate business that's exactly what it is you're right
1: no i think it's so cool because a lot of tracks like you don't see the you don't see that someone running it like that yeah
2: Yeah, well and i think i almost think that like it's kind of a little bit of what's missing in our sport a little bit i think that like especially on like the track operator side or bmx in general i think people just kind of expected to volunteer and it's almost frowned upon to make a living doing certain things but like the end of the day like it's okay like we i do my best to provide a service for people want. i give the kids a really good spot sorry i give the kids a really fun spot to ride and then like i'm able to pay my bills and stuff like that from it so it's kind of a win-win for everybody
1: you know do you think it'd be better if if more tracks kind of had that outlook and that kind of model like like the way you do it
2: yeah as long as they're not looking to be greedy and just take 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 you know what i mean yeah that's
0: a good point Yeah. yeah
2: but but i think i think if you treat it even if you're volunteering if you treat it as a business
1: it's able to grow like a business if you want it to because how does it work like the other tracks in the country did USA BMX just run them or like how does it work
2: so actually USA BMX at one time I think only owned two tracks in the country one of them being Chula Vista BMX when I first took it over it's not anymore and then there's one other track I believe it's in Las Vegas that they own other than that USA BMX doesn't own any tracks they don't operate it so it's solely up to like a single person say, Tori, you want to start a track where you're at and you want it to be USA BMX. then you can either set up the land, you can work with your city, however like that, but then it's all kind of on you to run the weekly programs and stuff. And and they offer like advertising support and stuff like that and great ideas and how to run things. But at the
1: end of the day, it's kind of mostly up to you to kind of set everything. I always thought it'd be cool to do that. Then you could do your own coaching and stuff like you're doing. Like it's it's a good model.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a great model and I think more guys like yourself, like more pros, like If you're looking for an option beyond, like, what can be next after BMX? Like, I'm surprised other pros don't do don't do it. Especially like you guys do a ton of coaching up there, and you have a really good following where you're at and stuff like that. Like, I mean, it'd be it'd be a really cool job opportunity and stuff. Like, you see, uh, Joey Bradford does stuff up in his area. Tanner Sebosto is pretty heavily involved in some areas in Texas and stuff like that, so Jordan, I think you're slowly, hopefully, starting to see it a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say Jordan Miranda also, he kind of did the same idea as you because he runs Bakersfield now, right?
2: Duh. Yeah, I totally forgot about Jordan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. him and his family do a oh, great yeah, job. They're exactly the same thing. Yeah, I
1: forgot about Jordan. Yeah, he is doing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. They've been doing it for a while too, and and you know we always chat and throw ideas around and stuff like that. And so I mean, it's it's just good because you have somebody that has that BMX knowledge
0: yeah that's kind of i guess yeah you, you have that kind of recent knowledge of the sport too and kind of catch that people's eye instead of maybe an old school perspective so yeah like oh back in my day we <laughs> used to just do these rollers that's all
2: we
1: needed <laughs> uh, what do you uh what do you like about it and what's hard about it
2: uh you know i think my favorite thing is is um i'll be i was i was a bit of a troubled kid growing up i i had a single mom that worked a ton and I had a lot of time on my hands. I was starting to get in trouble. And then when I found BMX, it was like instant blinders. Like, that's all I wanted to do. So I love being able to give that opportunity back to some kids. And, you know, maybe some kids are in a situation where, where they're good and life's great and everything's good. And maybe there's some kids that come out to the track that are barely getting by and they find their sport and their passion. And, I mean, that's that's probably my favorite part. Um Probably my worst part is uh, what Twan commented about it, dealing with the freaking rain when I have to sweep the track off all the time because it keeps raining.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Especially when you just groom it and then it messes it up. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, that's that's absolutely the worst.
0: It's funny for because for us foreigners, when it rains here at home or for, the, I guess, them in Holland, we literally ride the same day, tracks basically the same or better. And you guys get a sprinkle down there and the soil, the dirt just can't handle it. And you're, you're fortunate, yeah, you're right, you're out for like a week. And,
2: and, you guys are way tougher than I am, man. I used to ride in I used to ride in Colorado when it was cold and stuff. Like maybe it's just me being vet now or living in San Diego. Like if it's cold or rainy, I ain't doing anything. You guys, forget that.
0: You guys get spoiled Stop. nowadays. We're just constantly in the rain, so eventually you're like, "Fuck it, I got to deal with this shit."
2: No, you're totally right, and I get it, and I do. But I saw like James, I saw you doing rain sprints the other day. I was like, "Forget that, no way, I'm doing that."
0: <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's just
1: normal for us. Like growing up here. It's like in San Diego or those places you can wait a day or two or whatever and and not train. But like, for instance, here in this climate, if you always wanted good weather, you'd never even be able to train consistently. Yeah,
2: no, you're totally right. And like I said, I mean, I kind of remember it when I lived in Colorado, but I mean, definitely not at an elite level. And I'll give you guys credit. You're way tougher than I am. I I just wouldn't do it.
0: (laughs) How does the, how does the the soil tack or the stuff on your, the slurry, that's what it is. Sorry, the slurry. How does it hold up to the weather there?
2: It holds up pretty well unless we get, like last year, we got a massive amount of rain, but I mean, sometimes we'll even close, not because the track's bad, but just because the whole area is just a muddy mess around it, and like, you come across my finish line and you have to go through a lake to get back up to the starting hill, yeah. so, um, no, the, the soil attack and slurry, is it's a game-changer. Uh, I can't speak for areas like you guys that get, do get a ton of bad weather, but anybody in, in the America that gets decent weather, if you don't do it, you're crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems like a lot of tracks have been starting to go through it, I and mean, I think it's pretty cool. It seems super yeah. durable. Claire, no, it is. Claire seems it to is. It agree really
1: as good. well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was curious. I was sorry. I was, I was gonna say. I was curious. Like, obviously, I, I watched you race when I was like younger, and you're in double lane stuff. But th- growing up, did you race the uh, ABA National Series as an amateur?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I was big. T- I raced. Um, I raced like Bubba and Mike Day for a little bit. Jason Rogers and Brandon Nichols, Andre Ellison, all those guys. But yeah, I grew up racing Bubba. He'd probably be the main person that you guys would know that I would race, but I, yeah, me and him are the same age. Oh,
1: cool! Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. Either. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah.
2: Well, I didn't start racing until I was a bit older. Until I was twelve, turning thirteen. So I only, and I turned pro when I was seventeen, turning eighteen. Oh so wow! Late, late I, I, start. Yeah, late start. So I only really had a couple years of amateur. By the time I like got good and was winning a bunch of nationals, like I was just turning pro.
1: That's pretty cool. Like forty four four or five years, and you're already pro. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Well, back back in my day, boys, <laughs> uh, they didn't do they didn't do seventeen, eighteen expert. It was split into seventeen and eighteen. Yeah. And when I was when didn't I was you know seventeen, that. the eighteen X class had semis once beside grands. I was like, I am not traveling the whole country to go for one moto and one main all year. So um, I just said, screw it, I'm going to turn pro.
0: You might as well try and make a bit of money too. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So when did that time frame work out? Because you said you turned pro around seventeen, eighteen. When did you end up moving to San Diego? I'm sure that was like many years later, but when did you move that, there too? It,
2: it was actually earlier. Uh, I was I was 15 years old. Um, well, four, well, actually, I was probably 14 years old, and my mom uh, she basically came to me and my brother and said, "Hey, guys, I can't afford to live in this house and race nationals. So, do you want to race locals and stay here, or do you want to look at other options?" And like me and my brother, were like, "Yeah, let's put a for sale sign at the house." So, we sold our house. We sold everything that we owned. We moved into a motor home. And my mom worked staging on the weekends at the Nationals to pay for my entry fees and then sold bikes. Or I sold bikes and bike parts to bike shops during the weekdays to pay our bills and go to all the races. And then uh, that's how we ended up in Southern California because we knew we didn't like Colorado anymore and all the pros lived in Orange County. So we ended up in Southern California.
0: Wow, she worked her butt off for you guys. That's so cool to hear.
2: No, she did, man. I, wow. I was super blessed. and I, I mean, I definitely owe a ton to, to her and to – for me still being in this career, actually while well ever starting this career.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. What an awesome woman.
2: Yeah. She definitely is.
0: It makes you really appreciate just kind of things like, you know, you got to actually truly love what you're doing for your kids and whatnot and not these parents that just give their kids everything and just like give them the best things ever and it's like, yeah. Big difference. Yeah.
2: That, that was it. And she made me work for it. I mean, I was, I think when I was like 13 years old, I worked 20 to 30 hours a week detailing cars at the local car dealership and I've done everything under the sun. I Dressed up as Barney and did birthday parties. I, I, you name it, I did it.
1: Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that about man. That's that's really respectable. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, it 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 made me appreciate it though. Like it made me want to want to be the best that I could be. And even at times when I wanted to quit, I couldn't quit because my mom didn't quit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: One of the most badass things, that I think people should know, is <laughs> you made the Madrid Supercross <laughs> final wearing jeans.
2: Yeah, I think I'm the only one to make a World Cup final wearing jeans and a long sleeve shirt.
1: It's so funny. Like people think they need a lot of support and everything to be successful. It's like, dude, Tyler was in the World Cup final in jeans. That's so epic.
2: uh, That's so cool. My sponsor the year before totally flaked, owed me a ton of money, and the season started. And I actually I found a 540 dollar plane ticket to Madrid. I was like, hey. I'm going. I, I have that much left in the bank. Let's
1: go. Oh, yeah. 540 bucks. What a steal. <laughs>
2: no, it was. I don't know how I found that flight.
1: I never found anything that cheap. You you had to take a ship across the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah. I took a Greyhound to
2: New York <laughs>
0: and
2: took a ship across. Yeah.
0: Okay, but you had a gene sponsor back in the day, didn't you? Did that come from that?
2: Well, that was actually the start of it. So my okay. uh, my, my old nate was a retired pro surfer and she had hooked me up with hurley and i was working on it never ended up going all the way through but we were working on like a ten thousand dollar clothing deal from hurley to where stuff had to toe and when i went to madrid i didn't have any other sponsors so i was like forget it like i'm trying to get this deal with these guys hopefully we can put some together and uh um, man, it fell apart in the final hour that was kind of like the one that got away but unfortunately it didn't fully fully happen but I mean I did get a, a massive amount of clothes from that guys from those guys for many many years from it so that still helps I mean yeah. that's
1: I mean that's yeah I mean
0: that's still pretty cool yeah, I just thought cool, it yeah. that was epic that you had like a jean deal like you'd wear jeans for racing or whatever and thought that was so oh, different badass yeah. that' was so badass <laughs>
2: Thanks man you guys are making me feel cool I, I like this we, <laughs> well, we, we, gotta, this we, we
0: find these cool things people are cool you're a cool person yeah like we've known you a long time but we didn't know a
1: lot of this stuff about you.
2: <laughs> even if we're not recording we just need to have these chats more often seriously yeah, we, we haven't even hit record yet <laughs> <laughs> perfect uh,
0: but, so when did you when did you turn double A yeah, these are the things we don't know now yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I turned double A that same year so it was a little bit different back then it wasn't like you couldn't do a full season it was whenever you made three grand yeah I remember uh, that yeah yeah and so me and Jarrett Kolich we were kind of head to head like we were we were stupid we were kind of rivals and took each other out a lot um, so he turned double A like a month or two before me and then I just turned right after him. So like mid season I was double A.
1: Did you have support at that point or were you like did you have a sponsor?
2: Uh, when I was double A well let's see, when I first turned pro, you guys will like this one. When I first turned pro, I was riding for S M. Um, I was A pro. We went to Boulder City for an NBL race that back then was flat titles only for the double A's. And it was Badass. double purse, double money on the first day, pro open on second day. So, me and Betcher both went 1-2 and A-Pro on the first day. I rocked up to the track the next day for Pro Open, and I said, hey, what are we doing? Do I have to run flats or clips? Afro Bob looked at me and said, put your clips on, and I'll see you in turn two. (laughs) So, so I ran first and second moto on flats. I got smoked. Third moto, I waited until the very last minute. I clipped in. I rolled up, went straight into the gate. It was like, screw these guys. I'm going to beat them. you got to catch me in turn two first. And... I lit them up, I won all the way to the last turn, I pulled my brakes and sat down so I didn't mess up anybody's points, but that was way too, like, anti for S&M, like, to put clips on in a flat pedal race, so I got dropped from S&M right after that. No way. Yeah, yeah, I I think, uh, yeah. Seriously? But if anything, it was, like, super S&M because it was totally, like, screw you guys, I'm going to do what I want, I'm not going to listen to the rules, you know what I
0: mean? It would seem like more of a freestyle company that would be totally about something like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, they used to be pretty heavy in the racing for, for many, many years, so, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got dropped, so I was riding for actually a bike shop from Texas who paid me pretty good and, and stuff like that, so I actually turned AA with just uh, some side some side deals and stuff like that, nothing like a major factory team or anything.
0: How, how was the transition into AA, because it seems like nowadays people go from, let's say, A-Pro to AA, and they kind of just get worked, like, I mean, the A-Pros don't really want to go AA, I feel like, how was it back then?
2: I agree. Um I did pretty well actually. I made I made I think every main I made except for grands when I first turned double A. But my second year or my first full year as elite man was absolutely garbage and I got smoked. But I think my first year I was still running on so much rookie hype that I ended up making a bunch of mains still.
0: That's badass. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Kids running on that hype like that, they're they're hard to stop.
1: Yeah, like A pros A Pro is like it's just meant to be a stepping stone. Yeah.
2: You're exactly right. You're exactly right. And that's yeah. why when people talk about like the pro payout, A-Pros need to be paid more, more I agree, pros need to be paid more than 100%, but what I always thought is, like, A-Pro win should be whatever AA's last place is, like, if A-Pro's 500, I think AA's last place should be 500, whatever that is, but I think it should be viewed as a stepping stone to get to that class, instead of kind of, I think it's almost like a crutch now, where they just stay in it a little bit too long, you
1: know? No, 100%, like, you should be going to A-Pro just dying to be in
2: AA yeah and that was how it was for me and i'm sure you guys too like yeah. I couldn't wait to be in that i couldn't wait to get my three thousand dollars so i could sit on the gate next to ali a and those other dudes and just try to race with them who yeah. cares how much money i made yeah. i just wanted to race
0: them no exactly like, i couldn't wait to be a double a you're in the premier yeah. class like you feel like everybody's finally watching you when yeah right you there you're sitting in, you hear your name called. it's like damn okay they're looking at me like i'm here to do it yeah yeah
1: you, you yeah, first I'm, you first get I've in there said, it's like the most special feeling you're it's so, it's, it's pretty cool feeling when you, you're, when you first race double A, yeah. like it's a pretty cool feeling.
2: Yeah. I mean, I still get goosebumps at you guys talking about it right now, thinking about that first time I was on the gate with those guys and how cool it was. Like, I totally agree.
1: Yeah. Like I haven't thought about my first double A race in a while either, but yeah, thinking back, it was really cool. Like, it's almost, you almost don't really like, you almost don't really believe you're racing no. in that class. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like, honestly, yeah. even when we go to Phoenix to start the year off, I mean, we take time off, and then that first time you get in the gate of Phoenix, and I know it's not a huge national at the end of the day, but it's the big one, it's the big one to start the year off, and you get the names being called, and your name's called, and it's like, it is, you, you're like, okay, we're here to party. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to party. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah that's, what, that's what you train for. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yep. That's so what trained. we fucking live for.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you had, then you got, like, you rode for Avent and GT and stuff too, right?
2: Yeah, let's see, I rode... I went to Avent after that. Um, after that, then I went to Kroopy and rode for Kroopy for a while. Oh yeah, you
1: were with Kroopy for a while. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for like four years, I rode for them, and then I went to GT for four years, and then um, I decided to leave those guys and just start my own program after that. And I've been running that. I think this is my my third year running my own program now.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I think is really cool that you do. You have your own team and. Anybody that's been at Chula Vista BMX, you know the team. It's huge. Like you got a lot of riders that are always having fun, always working hard. It seems like it's cool.
2: Yeah, we have I think sixty-five riders on the team this year. Holy, 65 riders. Holy well. crap! Well, and that and that didn't happen. Like that just kind of grew organically. Like, and we have out-of-state riders, out-of-country riders. Like I got riders all over the world. And like, Kimmy, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's cool. Shout out
0: to Kimmy. I, Shout out to Kimmy. And,
2: and, and I wasn't. I wasn't gonna do riders out of state much less out of country and then it was kind of like if these kids just want to be a part of this program and they're excited to be about it like why would i want to take that away from them like so i just kind of opened the floodgates and said yeah heck yeah if you want to be on the team let's get you going and well, you know it's kind of just continued to grow from there
0: so what do you provide on your team so riders that want to come join your team first of all i guess how do they get on the team and then what do you provide for them
2: uh, I mean, my stuff is super grass, grassroots. It's more mm-hmm. about teaching riders and mentoring riders and stuff like that. So um, as far as, like, I make the kids buy the uniform, like, helmet, jersey, pants, and gloves, but I sell it to them at cost. Like, I'm not making money off that stuff. And then, you know, from there, we just we have the, the pits at some of the bigger races, and I'm always there for advice if they need anything. And then the ones that are in the Chula Vista community, I'm able to be a little bit more hands-on with. But then they'll get, like, little discounts and stuff for certain sponsor product. And the better you get, the more of a discount you get, like if you're novice, you get 10% off. If you're expert, you get 20% off, you know, just stuff like that.
1: We're, cool. we're talking during an intro about, cause um, so we got a message from someone that was asking about sponsorship, kind of how you get sponsored and stuff. And we were saying like, it's obviously you need to do well at the races and that kind of thing, but your main focus should be going out there and racing for yourself and doing the best you can do. And that stuff will come. And you also need to be very marketable and likable and, you know, being a good ambassador for, for the brands and stuff. But what do you think about, you know, what's a, if, people out there have questions about getting sponsored what do you what do you think is uh you know important about not important i should say but how do you get sponsored essentially what do you think
2: well it, it depends on what you're looking for like if you're looking for a grassroots program like i run it's a little bit different than if you're looking to be like on that premier factory team but i mean at the end of the day if you're looking to get sponsored don't worry about being sponsored like i agree 100 yeah you know i think you guys you guys are probably like me like we rode for all the factory teams and stuff like that and like I ran away from a factory team to run my own team because I didn't want to deal with some of that stuff and like like you just need to worry about being the best rider that you can be and exactly like you said race fast, market yourself, promote yourself, do your thing and people are gonna want you to be a part of their program. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you're out there searching for it like that's I don't know, it's it's just I don't think that that's the best way to go about it unless you're wanting like like I said my team's different. It's grassroots, it's for fun, like you know, we don't really say no to too many people on the program, but if you're looking to Ride for one of those top teams, whoever that may be. Like, you've got to kind of look at it a totally different way than just like sponsor me, give me stuff. I want stuff. I want stuff. Mm-hmm. It's
0: all. Yeah, we were talking about. It. You got to have something to provide in return. At the end of the day, you're trying to help that company out. For, for in return, they help you out, right? So if you have nothing yep. to provide, why would they want to sponsor you?
2: No, you're totally right. It's it's a in business investment. If I'm gonna give, if I'm gonna give you James Palmer, if I'm gonna give you ten thousand dollars in whatever, whether that be product or cash or whatever. My hope of that is you're going to bring me my 10000 back plus some form of a return. So how are you going to be able to do that? Is that going to be racing? Are you doing a ton of clinics? Are you doing whatever else? And that's what I think sometimes gets lost and people are more like, well, what is you can a bike company, what can you give me yeah. instead of what can I give you back?
1: Yeah, it's very it's very expected, I feel like, a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kid no,
0: turn totally experts is. wins one race, and they're like, okay, so what can you guys do for my son? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like... <laughs> And I think a lot of people don't realize. Whenever there's more sponsors and stuff, there's also a lot more expectations on you, for not only yeah. performance-wise, but for representation and all that kind of thing.
2: Dude, that's a great point. Like, you you reach a point where like, if you're that top kid, like, it's a job. Like, yes, you're getting thousands of dollars, whether it be in bike product, plane flights, entry fees. Like, you're expected to show up at the race. You're expected to win your race. You're expected to present yourself in a good way on and off the track. Like. There's high expectations of you that are justified because if somebody's gonna, if a brand's gonna put ten grand into you throughout a season, like you better be there to do your thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a you grow up really fast as a kid. I remember when I was a kid, I was I think eleven, I hadn't turned twelve yet, and I was on a uh, factory hyper. And then at Reno, I won the first day, and I wasn't on the team sheet, and they put me on the team sheet the second day, and I didn't win. I think I like unclipped or something, and got like a fifth. I go back to the pits. And Will Rails comes out to me, and I'm 11 years old, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "You can't do that when you're on the fucking team sheet." I'm so fucking pissed at you right now, dude. I was 11. <laughs> I, was al- I was 11. <laughs> you're
0: a fucking kid.
1: Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And I mean, obviously that's and I cried clearly. I was a kid. I was, yeah, dev- yeah. I was devastated. Um, <laughs> and obviously that's an ex- that's an extreme um example, and there's no way a kid should be treated like that. But that there is more. My point being, like, there's more expectation when. Um, the more sponsors come, too.
2: Yeah, no, you're totally right. I think that is a little bit of, a, of an extreme with Will there. Oh, it's awful, I, yeah. But there were guys, like, when I was amateur, I mean, same thing with you. You would have known this. Like, the, the the guys that rode for GT back then, like, there was title bonuses on the line. They were getting, I mean, do you remember, you probably raced him, actually. You remember Jason Cowick?
1: Yeah, I remember him, yeah.
2: Yeah, so he was 15. We were buddies when I lived in Orange County, and he said he averaged, he got all of his expenses paid, and was averaging 500 a month salary from Powerlight because because they just they had such a budget. They took their team winnings and just split it amongst the riders. But there was a wow. small team, and they won a lot. So he's like, yeah, I make about 500 bucks a month. And this is a 15-year-old kid who's getting all expenses paid for, food money, flights, you name it.
0: That's more than most pros these days. Yeah, like when I was a kid too,
1: like I had some deals with some teams in the US, like I would get everything paid for and they'd also pay for one of my parents to fly to the
2: races. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know what though? Low key, I think there's a few of those deals still going around for amateurs today. I bet that there's amateurs getting more, I bet that there's better sponsored amateurs than there is pros right now. I I would put money on it. Straight
1: up. Why do you think that is?
2: I think strictly because it's, it's guys that have decent money that a good amateur is just in their in their eyes more valuable to a team sheet, and the team sheet's just about kind of, you know, I don't know what we can say on this show or not, just su- su- swinging your dick and seeing who's got it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah they, they, they like to show off, and they want to be the man, and sometimes that 17-20 that win is going to cost them a, a, a handful of plane tickets and whatever else, you know?
1: What, what do you think of that? Like, Do you, do you think a, a pro is more valuable than an amateur to sponsor?
2: a hundred percent and here i always give my example why like so i raised bubba bubba was the guy on redline i would never buy a redline product because and this is what i called it i didn't want to be a bubba booster that's what i used to call it
0: <laughs> that's kind of funny
2: but you put anything on thomas Chalier or randy stump or a handful of these guys bike like if they had new tioga tires like i would buy him whatever i was like mom i want to be like him and it's nothing against Bubba, but my goal was to beat that guy, not to be like him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I mean I always I, I always think that the, the, the pros are worth that. I mean I mean on my team, like I would sponsor pro like again, my stuff my amateurs are grassroots, but I would pick up a pro ten out of ten times before I would pick up an amateur. And that's nothing against the amateurs. It's just it should be a stepping stone to a pro career.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think well if you think you look at it. Uh, any rider can look up to one of the pros. Like they're they're one of the best. They're most likely one of the best riders at their track. So anybody there can look up to them. If you're trying to sponsor a younger rider, even if they're a good role model, it's sometimes hard. Like you're only getting kids that are younger than that rider that look up to them and want to ride with their riding. Let's say. So yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, you're, you're going after a smaller market by taking a younger rider.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I don't know. Maybe maybe there's little little contraries to that. Like if you're a, a brand that only makes little dude stuff and you may not paying, but maybe you're hooking up with like your top local ripper because you make a titanium square taper bottom bracket or, you know what I mean. But there's like, there, there's those minuscule little things. that like, Oh, okay. I get why they sponsor that 10 year old kid and not a pro because they don't make anything that goes on a pro's bike. But
1: for 99% of the stuff out there, I think pros are the way to go. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the pros Ten years ago, fifteen years ago, were paid more than now. Good question.
0: Good question.
2: That's that's a, a a lot going on there. I think our industry was a little bit different back then. Like there was a little bit more sponsorship money rolling in, a little bit more stuff going on. And I don't know, man. Like I get bummed at, at BMX a little bit with pro racing because I feel like it just kind of became this little sideshow that just happens. And I think yeah, I think I think the pros and the sanctions are so much going like. Well, you guys don't do this. Well, you, we're not going to do this because you guys don't this. I think it's going to eventually take one side to go like, hey, you know what? I don't care who's right and who's wrong. This is what I want to do, and I want to work towards making it better. Whatever that may be, I'm going to do it. And no matter what the other side goes, like I'm just going to give, 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 and I don't want to take. And then hopefully
0: eventually the other side will turn and it will work for everybody. I think you're right I think completely. He kind of just changed like my whole perspective on it in the sense that you're right. Everyone's always been like, hey, we're not, we're not getting this so we're not going to do this. Well, you're right. We got to start being more positive. At the end of the day, honestly, we got to be like, "Hey, we want to get this." And like, I know we do this, but we need to go step forward and be like, "Hey, we're going to put all this out, and we want this in return." And like, then it'll start to come, maybe. I agree. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, unfortunately, USA BMX has a lot of cards on, on and they have more cards in the deck than the pros do. And pro, yeah. like pro racing, like it's it's a bummer you guys aren't getting paid hey, you deserve so much more recognition, yada, yada, yada. Like, I 100% agree, but it's going to take, like, like exactly like you said, James. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, hey, you know what, USABMX, if you want to pay us more, like, cool. If not, like, that's cool too, but we're going to do whatever. We're going to do these autograph sessions at this, and we're going to do this, and then hopefully we can show our value to you and it works out. Or, or USABMX goes, hey, you know what, guys, we're going to pay you more because we feel that you deserve it. Hopefully that you guys see that value and you're going to do this, this, and this. We think it would be really awesome.
1: I also think because of the Olympics, and obviously it's helped the sport and myself and a lot of riders in many ways, but I also think that a lot of riders, because they kind of just care about World Cups or Olympics, they're not as concerned about uh, prize money or sponsorship in the industry or like making a living um, in comparison to pros in the past as well. What do you think? Do you agree?
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, you guys could probably um, attest to that better than I can because you have a different support system in Canada. Than, well, I mean, I never got like paid from USA Cycling or anything like that, but I do think you do have a lot of programs where they're getting more of their funding and salaries from the national team and federation versus the race weekends and the sponsorship and stuff like that. So I think you're totally right. And you're, more importantly, you're also getting pressure from those people that are paying them that they're going like, we don't care about we don't care what your result is in Phoenix. You need to be going fast in at the World Cup in
1: two weeks. So skip Phoenix for all yep. we care. And Straight you, up, and you just you just hit the nail on the head or whatever that's exactly. saying is like exactly that's that right there is an issue I think every every rider at, deals with now.
0: I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it honestly. Yeah,
1: yeah. like the, like in general, the federations will be like, okay, we need you to peak for. A few times a year, Manchester. The first race is Manchester in April, whatever. Yeah, and they're like, okay. Yeah. Riders like, okay, well, I'm gonna do Phoenix, Oldsmar, Albuquerque, Rock Hill before, and they're like, okay, no, you're not.
0: You can't do that. It yeah. doesn't work that
1: yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> and then
2: and, and then you go like, and, and I have no idea what Claiborne is paying you, James. So I don't know, but you're like, you're like, well, Claiborne pays me this, but my federation is gonna fund me to all the World Cups, and they're giving me the salary. I kind of need to do what they what they're wanting me to do. I have to put that as a priority, and I have to show them that it's a priority.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then the sponsor's like, "Dude, why haven't you been to races?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, no, it's, it's hard. It's,
2: it's unfortunately, it's kind of just a big, a big trap that that has its ups and downs across many levels. Yeah,
0: I think that's why I find I don't know ourselves, myself, lucky that if you have do find somebody or a sponsor that is basically, I guess, uh, accepting to both sides. Yeah, it makes such a difference because they were okay. Like I'm guilty right now. Like I'm not gonna go to grands because. I'm tired. I, we have races starting early next year and I don't want to burn myself out. But I but it's, the, it,
2: greatest right, it's <laughs> the greatest race on earth. Greatest race on earth. can't can't miss it.
0: Greatest race ever, actually. Never <laughs> any better. But yeah, everyone like, says that with a laugh. <laughs> I'll be there. I'm ready to go. <laughs> but that's just it. Like I told the sponsor, like, hey, like I'm actually not going, guys. Like I'm I'm tired. I need to take a break. I'm not up for anything. And they're okay with it, luckily. But that's yeah, just that the thing. Cool. It's you like, got a good spot. Yeah, but that's where we're guilty at the same time. It's like we're doing those kind of things. I gotta say, John's
1: yeah. always been really cool about that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. try that's that's why really why to awesome, shut him yeah. out. So.
0: But yeah, like i so tell you right like, now, if if the jet skips grands, I'm dropping <laughs> <one> it. <this> <laughs> jet, you better be top five or you're off the team too, buddy. <laughs> you better be peaking for Tulsa. That's
1: that's kind of like in a way when you guys raced AA, like it was almost a little bit simpler because you just focused on AB and NBL and then also had the World Championships, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And yeah, you're exactly right. That was it. We didn't have to worry about World Cups. We didn't have to worry about. I mean. I was kind of in that middle era where yeah you, had, you the, transitioned I, yeah I was the start I was the ending of one and starting of the other yeah. so I kind of had a little bit of both uh, but I mean I did well on some of the World Cup stuff but never at a level to like get top national funding from USA Cycling I mean I made the team and stuff but I wasn't getting salaries or anything like that mm-hmm.
0: I like the point you made about like um, well I, I can't remember now how it went but like the idea that. I mean, for us pros, we go to like the nationals and we basically, we get in there, we do a race and we try to leave. And sometimes if like, I've had weekends where I haven't done very well, I've been performing like crap and I feel like I don't talk to anybody and I've done nothing for the sponsor at all. (laughs) it's like, cool, what did I do going to that race? But what if we had like, why don't we have these autograph sessions where, and um, it's a normal thing, like, hey, this, every national, every pro national this weekend, if you're here, we're going to have an autograph session this time, get everybody to come out and have it more, more often, have it more common. So kids come out and then they always see you i think that the sponsor would love that
2: like to play devil's advocate on that like i don't blame you because you guys aren't getting that much money i don't i don't blame you for wanting to get in and get out for for the least amount of time but that's exactly what i'm saying why it's affecting both sides Mm -hmm. because if there was more money you guys would probably be more inclined to stay around and if you guys stayed around more then maybe the sanction would be more inclined to pay you guys money and that's where it's just that that awkward middle point like Dude, I don't blame you. Like, If somebody's going to say, hey, Tyler, here's the 100 bucks. Do you want to work two hours or five hours? Well, give yeah. me two hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? But if somebody goes like, well, hey, if you work five hours, I might pay you 500 Cool, I'm there. Count me in. Let's do it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah it's almost just like – it's it's kind of bad, but like the pros are just like – we're probably just like – we go to the race. We're like, okay, hey, we'll do our race and leave. And the is like, well – USA BMX is probably like, well, they're just racing and stuff. They're not doing a whole lot of extra, so we don't need to pay them extra. Where it's like, if we actually did go as riders, did go and did more stuff, autograph sessions, the ABA might be like, or USA BMX. i oh, always say ABA by default. Yeah,
0: right. We all know what yeah, you yeah. mean.
1: Yeah. USA BMX might be more inclined. Like, okay, like, yeah, they're doing a lot more. Let's pay more. And it could be more mutually beneficial, I guess I could say.
0: I, I'm going to take well, this step forward now then and say, like, if anybody's listening, USA BMX, like, Let's meet in the middle then. Let's start with something small, like an autograph session. Let's, we'll put our time that we are there, that short yeah, amount of time that we are there. Let's do an autograph session. Let's start there and then maybe grow from that.
1: But as pros, like we need to do a better job of that stuff as well. Like We're all guilty of it. You know. Yeah. We need to do a better job of that kind of stuff too.
2: One of the coolest things that I always thought—it was such my idea that I did it—we did it the whole shot challenge. I always thought it was great to do a revenue, a revenue share. Like you have all these pros that are so valuable on social media and have so many followings and rah rah rah. What about at the pro series if like it was like, hey, you know, we're say I have no idea. We're we're gonna at this race at Oldsmar, we always bring in a thousand riders. So anything above that thousand, we're gonna give you guys a percentage that's gonna go back to the pro class. Then all of a sudden you're. All of a sudden, you're gonna have like, hey, I'm doing an autograph signing at Claiborne. Connor's gonna be like, oh, we're giving a free bike away at Chase because they know that every person that shows up through that gate, you have mm. that potential to get $5 going into your pro class. And then when you win, you're gonna make an extra two grand or something like that. You know what I mean?
1: Dude, that's a good idea. Yeah. But it
2: was something that, like, wouldn't take any work on anybody's part. Other than just like, hey, you know, we're gonna make a little bit more money because more people are showing up. You pros are gonna make a little bit more money if you get more people to show up. Then you guys all work together and everybody gets a, gets gets paid a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I remember when the the whole equal pay situation first came out and people were all upset about like the lower amount of pay and whatnot. My idea was, what if they just they could find a way to just do like a bonus, like that they had the standard pay, but every rider on top of that, or the amount of groups you had on top of that, was more money. I think that's the same idea yep. like you're providing a platform that okay if there's more people there well then we're going to provide you guys with more money yep you're exactly right yeah i think that's great
1: god we're smart
0: <laughs> we could run this <laughs> business for sure god we're Let's smart Let's do it. <laughs> and don't even get me started on the whole equal pay thing over we'll here all
1: night long boys <laughs> oh these are such fun topics to discuss <laughs> no they really are i enjoy it yeah i was i was also curious like so getting back to your career a little, I guess, now that um, obviously you raised Vet Pro or Masters and stuff, I was always curious. So you guys, like for instance, you, like Big C when he raced, um, Javi, like you guys all had success in Elite and then moved on to Masters and Vet Pro. Do you still get as nervous racing Masters or Vet Pro or is it a bit more fun with less pressure or, you know, like what's what's it like?
2: It's definitely not near as much pressure as, as Elite, man. I mean, I, I, and I have way more fun with it. Like I'm joking with the guys behind the gate and like I'll be completely honest. This right now is the first time that I've wrote a, my own training program and actually done a real schedule since Grand's last year. Oh, like wow. I just yeah. I just been freestyling all year and just kind of do what the guys are doing and kind of train and I was like all right it's Grand's I need to take this serious. Um, but the last time I wrote an actual training program and followed it was November last year. <laughs>
0: That's pretty epic. You're a busy man.
2: Yeah, well, and that's just it, and my life's changed, and I got a little one now, and I've got, you know, a bunch of work stuff and stuff like that, so I just kind of make it all fit in and stuff, but it's definitely, it's more fun. I look at it as kind of like a paid hobby. You know, people are like, oh, the vet player craft needs to get paid more. Like, no, man, we're good. Like, we all have jobs. Like, this is cool. We get to go race. <laughs> I make a little bit of a bonus, have some fun this weekend. Like, I'm stoked. No complaints at all.
0: Yeah. It sounds fun. You and,
2: see unless, you they, unless they want to pay us more, and then I'm not going to say no, so...
0: I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, too, you market yourself very well for sponsors yourself, and I think people can take note of that, too.
2: And that was, I think, probably just a big learning experience. Like, I had a bunch of frustrations when I worked at GT, but at the end of the day, I still learned a lot and kind of took my pro career as a rider, combined it with my four years as a team manager, and said, how can I run my program to maximize everything? And that was kind of my goal with starting my own team and running my own program.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's cool.
1: Yeah, so I think we got a lot of questions for you, Tyler. We got a lot of quick yeah. shots questions, so we'll read off some uh, some fan questions for you. Awesome,
0: let's do it. All right, this one's from Tommy Cambo Forty Seven BMX. What was your first pro race?
2: My first pro race was would have been Reno, at the beginning of the year, in, uh when I was seventeen. So a long time ago, like seventy-five years ago, I think. <laughs> like like my <laughs> way back then. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, from Dre Day BMX, what's his take on the vet pro class changing the age to race at 30 being the new age?
2: Um, you know what? I, I don't really care, to be honest. Like <laughs> I raced I race elite men for so long where it didn't matter what age I was. I was racing riders younger than me and older than me, and and it is what it is. I'll be 35 next year, so even if it was still 33, I'd still be not the youngest guy in there. So, I mean, I don't really care. It just It is what it is. I'm going to line up and race, and whatever happens, happens.
0: Yeah. Fair deal. The
2: only, thing, the only thing I'm mad about is when I was 32, I asked them to change the
1: class so I could race it sooner, and they wouldn't do it. So I wish they would have yeah. done it a couple years ago. Yeah, that's annoying. That's pretty
0: funny. Yeah. All right, this one's from Tommy Gun Cycles. This is a double shot. It says, when you raced elite, who did you not like to race, and who today in vet do you not like to race, and why?
2: Um, let's see. I'm trying to think in elite men who I didn't like to race. Let's see. The only one that comes to my mind recently, and I'm I'm totally cool with him now. We ride all the time, but me and Peebles used to always run into each other on the track. <laughs> so we we ha- we had some good battles when I was Double A. But as far as a, as far as Vet Pro, like it's kind of no worries. Like I just I just I, I take it more of a fun approach now. I'm not really stressed out about it. So um, I like I like racing everybody. I don't really I I enjoy the battles. I enjoy the challenges. So no nobody that I don't like racing.
1: Um. Uh... Oh, from the Coffee Chatter fan page account. <laughs> are, yes. are, are you just managing the Chula ABA track or the Supercross tracks as well?
2: Uh, I, the only thing I manage on the Supercross tracks is I manage all the USA cycling programs. So, like, if you Canadians want to come down, I wouldn't manage that. But if any of the USA riders are riding the Supercross track, then I do manage those sessions.
1: Yeah, I meant to, I meant to ask you that, too. What are you, what are you doing for USA cycling now?
2: So, I'm actually, it's kind of funny, because not a lot of people know. I've worked with them for, like, literally two years. I've been a full-time staff employee. So, um, basically, I'll handle all the day-to-day operations here. It's like, uh, say, Nick wants to do gates on Beijing. I'll set up the timing. I'll do whatever he does needs there. If they need me in the gym, I'll go to the gym and train with them. Uh, I help take care of them at all the World Cup races. And kind of, they all, they all don't necessarily need a coach, but, you know, I'll be the one that signs them up, gets the tents, gets their number plates, all that stuff, and, I also do a ton with the junior development stuff, so any camps, I run all those camps uh, and anything like that.
0: All right. Uh, next one, this one from our good friend, Hugo Oliveira, 51. He's the man. <laughs> He's the man. Yeah. How is chilling? Uh, how chilling is the Santiago del Estero track? Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> that, that's a fun track, man. That's one of the few World Cup tracks that I actually get a ride. Thanks to, thanks to my boy Hugo. He hooks it up and gets us out on the track. But uh, yeah, that's, that's a fun good. track. I like riding that
1: one. Please change the track soon, Santiago Del Cero.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I only ride it for like 30 minutes at a time. So it's, it's fun for me still. But yes, I agree. It's been the same for way too long for the, for the
1: elites. And funny, it looks so small now compared to five years ago or never. Yeah. Like it's the same oh, size, yeah. but it looks so small. Um, from Frankie Adoy, best bike you ever rode on or ride on, I guess.
2: Uh, I think, like, to be honest, and I'm not just saying this because I ride for them, like, I've, I really enjoy the current setup that I'm on. Um, I, I like this bike a lot, and I think that was one of my things when I started running my own program. Like, I only wanted to work with brands that I liked their stuff. If I didn't like their stuff, like, I just wasn't going to ride it. Ride for you. So just, uh, I, I really like the bike that I'm on now, so I'd have to say a DK.
1: They look cool, too. They look really cool.
2: Yeah, it's just, it's super I think Willer's had a lot of design into it, so I'll give him credit because he – he was super picky before I rode for the team on what the tubes are going to be shaped like, what the geometry was going to be, and stuff like that. So i got to give hats off to him because he built it. But he built a really good bike, so no complaints.
0: Right
2: on. All right, from Evan Russell 568.
0: How is Claire treating you, Tyler? she letting you sleep she, at night?
2: She is currently on my lap i'm trying to keep her entertained while i talk to you guys and her eyes are getting heavy and she's about to pass out so dude she's no, been we,
0: awesome she's been great yeah
2: she's been on my lap the whole time but No, uh we're super lucky man she sleeps like a rock like she'll sleep all like last night we put her to bed at 9 30 and she woke up at 8 awesome
1: <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> we got super lucky no man. kidding yeah. uh from at mike marcos when jumping are you supposed to pop off the lip or pull on the handlebars
2: you need to use more clips. That's what you need to do.
0: Pulling the clips as hard as you can. No arms <laughs> <More> whatsoever. <clips. laughs> yeah.
2: uh, I, think, I think that just kind of depends on the jump, man. It depends on what you're needing to do. And I think kind of popping off the lip entails pulling on the handlebars. So I think you kind of need to do both if you need to pull up for that jump.
1: Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. From Get Methoded. I don't know what I'm saying here. All right. Anyways, uh, what is your daily race routine? Race day routine.
2: Race day routine? That'd be with the jet because we travel together and do all of our races together. Uh, we'll get up, we'll have breakfast. He sits in the hotel room while I go down and warm up because I'm old and my body needs to warm up a little <laughs> bit more now. Then it's generally first we'll make a stop at Jersey Mike's because they open right in time, like right at a, a right before my practice. So we'll go to Jersey Mike's, then we definitely hit the mandatory coffee before we head to the track, That's and nice. then it's uh, it's race day from there.
1: So people listening, all you do is drink a shitload of coffee. Yeah, premium petrol
0: 5,000.
2: Every every one of us is caffeine addicts, I can guarantee it.
0: Oh, yeah, we can't run without it. Nope. It'd just be rude not to. why would you want to? I mean, at the end of the day, why would you want to? It'd just be rude not to.
1: I went through a little phase beginning of... (laughs) James' face is changing No, no, you did not. (laughs) No, you did not. I went through a phase beginning of 2014 where I didn't have coffee. Oh, and so, my. I, <laughs> so I raced Reno both days without any without any coffee I think Sunday morning I had one shot of espresso you were ridiculous go you? I got a fourth and a third so it was a pretty good weekend oh dang
2: well we blew it man you're supposed to say it was garbage my
1: theory was my energy would be more constant if I like didn't I, didn't I didn't I didn't like drink coffee at the stop for the race I just didn't drink coffee in general
0: yeah constantly low so, so was it was it fun though was the race in enjoyable probably not yeah no did you get it did you get it <laughs> Also, I was, fusing, was
1: thinking like, because if I get nervous sometimes and I have caffeine, I feel like shaky. So yeah. my thinking was, yeah. my think my f- thinking was maybe I'll be a bit calmer and stuff. And it actually worked pretty well. But then I started drinking coffee again. I was kind of like, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> it so. Just, it, it well, tastes so good. It? 22, 21, 22 around there yeah, you should you should probably still have enough gas in
0: the tank you don't need to be too cast up <laughs> yeah yeah. he, he but, was running on a little uh, hype back then that was
1: that was hype yeah. yeah that was hype yeah that was hype tor was a big hype guy he just ran out was, hype a all the time. Hype yeah, was a big hype guy yeah i was a big hype guy um from at jjh48 what's a great way to fundraise to get more money for the track for improvements
2: um track improvements let's see you can do all kinds of stuff you can i mean depending on where you are you can legit sell banners and sell sponsorship like advertising dollars Uh, one thing that we always do every year that I think is really cool and I think both of you guys probably have been a part of it we always at the end of the year we do a really big pro clinic uh, we get all the local riders out to come out and do a big clinic. I reach out to some people to do some giveaways and stuff. We try to pair it up with like a double points race and stuff where like we don't even do really awards. All the money just goes to the track, but we also list it out like I'm super transparent. Like, hey, whatever funds we bring, this is gonna to we're gonna cover our staging and fix the starting gate. So we need four thousand dollars is our goal to do both of that and then that's our goal you know so i think parents and families are okay giving money when they know exactly what it's for but if you're like oh we just need to raise cash to raise it um i think you might have a little bit harder of a time
1: yeah that's a good that's a really good idea is actually say what it's for because people like with whether it's taxes to the government to whatever people always want to know where it's going Mm -hmm. so if they know where it's going they're more inclined to do it
2: well, especially because like if you guys got to think like if it, if it goes to your kid and you know that you're going to sh- – or just you as a rider. If you as a rider show up, you're like, man, gate three and five like needs to be welded and fixed. Well, if they're doing a fundraiser like, hey, would you guys help out and do this clinic if we're going to fix the gate? You're like, heck yeah, I'll be there if that's all I need to do or here, I'll even give 50 bucks to help towards fixing the gate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, straight up. Uh, I guess this last one here. This one from Craft Tommy. You probably know him. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So he was saying – is there anything new going on next year uh, for the track, the other tracks at the training center? Um, basically, what's going on in the future for that?
2: There's always new yeah. stuff going on. I'm always trying to hustle new stuff and make more stuff happen. Um, I don't know when it's going to happen. I, I would really love to do a track rebuild soon. Um, we just have some big things around the track that I need to get worked on too. So. But No, we're definitely having some some big improvements in the works. I just uh, until I get the funds secured and plans locked in, I don't want to say it yet because I don't ever want to be that guy that's like, "Yo, yeah, I'm building a supercross hill. It's gonna be there in February. You just wait." <laughs> so uh, we we've definitely got some stuff in the works. So I want to get I want to kind of spruce things up around Chula Vista BMX.
1: We got Tokyo, uh, the new Tokyo Chula track coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tokyo Chula is gonna be here any minute now. Boys. <laughs> the next few months, I swear. They're actually Chula. gonna build a third track. <laughs>
0: They're going to finally build one right in the middle. They have Beijing, too small, great for development. The other one, too big, can't even train on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's That's actually so true. Beijing is like small now and everyone's like, well, the other one's way too big. So like the pros are like, what do we do? We have a
0: good good development track and one fucking huge one. Where do I train? Everyone's like, let's just go to Tyler's track.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. You know, it's it's funny because I think think two or three guys have hit that track, the second straightaway on the Rio track all year this year.
1: Well, everyone's just like, well, what's the point? Yeah.
2: No, you're exactly right. It's like, well, yeah, sure. I mean, could I do it? Yeah, but like, why? You're exactly right. But yeah.
1: seriously, the first time I did it, I, you literally, you, literally, for people who haven't wrote it, you literally go as fast as you can and then just yeah. send it. Yeah. It's, it's honestly- You go 100%. It's not that tech because you just literally go as fast as you can and send it. Yeah. But then, no, it's yeah, yeah, it's not like no super tech. hard. Yeah.
0: To it. it's just freaking
1: huge yeah but then like you, when you're sprinting 65k out of the first turn like my last thought before the double was oh my god i'm going fast <laughs> <laughs> well, it,
2: so and that berm jump lip is pretty flat too so you really got to pop and pull up oh, on those yeah. handlebars like, get over that
1: thing. literally never gone that fast at a jump in my life
0: i love no. back back in the day when it was the Rio replica sean i remember would like he wouldn't do the second straight and it was the best reason he's like it's the biggest thing I'm ever gonna have to ride. Why do I need to do it? Until there's a race on it, you're not gonna see me hitting it <laughs> it's like yep. straight up.
1: Yeah. So man, yep. thanks a lot for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate. It. That was a lot of fun. What a blast. Yeah,
2: no, it really was, guys. Thanks for having me. I've been uh, been excited to, ever since you first asked me to do it. I've been looking forward to it, so thank you very much.
1: Yeah, man. We'll have to have you on again. And uh, Claire did so well on her first podcast.
0: Thanks, Claire.
2: <sighs> yeah. I was, I'll be honest, I was stressed and I was like, man, is there going to be your bedtime. She's going to start crying. The only good thing is I think
1: she thinks that I'm actually talking to her instead of you guys. So she's been entertained for the last hour. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. That's, when we had Marathon last week, Rio started crying during the podcast. He's like, hey, quiet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, dad life. All yeah. right,
1: man. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. Good luck yeah, in good uh, good luck in have, Tulsa. Have good
2: one. See you, buddy. See you, Tyler. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: TB. Oh, ex- excellent potty. That's fun. He speaks so well. He has a lot of knowledge of the sport, I think, especially now that he runs a team, he's a track operator, he's been a top pro, he's now a vet pro. He, I think yeah, you're right, he has a lot of knowledge now to share and pass along.
1: Yeah, he really does. I've always thought he'd he like I always pictured him going into a broadcast career. Mhm. I always, you know, he used to do that. He's done some broadcast work, I think, for USA BMX and stuff I've seen. Yeah, he did back in the day, yeah, right? They would yeah. do
0: some like pre-grants interviews and he was one of the guys that would do them, right? Yeah. Like he would help and do them. Yeah.
1: Or obviously he has his own podcast too. He hasn't posted on it in a while, but dude, he speaks so well. Like mm-hmm. he'd be the perfect guy to have a podcast. Yeah, he would, yeah. Perfect, like guy. Said, yeah.
0: He speaks fantastically,
1: and he's re- like you said, he's really knowledgeable. Like he's done kind of the works, like amateur mm-hmm. to AA to masters and vet, and obviously running his own team and track. Not many people in our sport have done the full works.
0: No, no, you're right, and he does a great job at like um, promoting himself. Like yeah. he, he's created a brand for himself that. Yeah people respect people see that 316 racing they know who he is yeah even goes to europe people ask him to do camps over there too right it's because people know who he is i think a lot of the pros could take notes of how he markets like
1: himself and his sponsors too like he's very valuable to brands whereas pros are just like oh i got fifth last weekend in desoto like <laughs> where's my check it's like well dude like yeah. you need to do some more work look, look at a little effort yeah, exactly yeah, yeah put yeah, a
0: little yeah. effort He's also got one of the best looking tracks with the best sunsets to get the coolest photos at. How many insta bangers have been at that place? Every everybody like dude everybody in the sport has had an insta banger It's got
1: to be the most famous track in the world. Straight up. Um, it's just like <laughs> everyone knows it just cuz everyone just posts bangers. Have you ever Chula. seen a
0: bad angle from Chula? Literally never. You literally go there at 4:30, gates like pro practice is about to go down, just literally stand behind the gate, get the track and the sunset in the background. Palm trees. You, you don't and palm trees, if anything, looks great. Like it looks fantastic. More uh,
1: tracks need to get I love palm trees. Like, palm trees is the best I love palm trees.
0: Fucking yeah. like, we're gonna get palm trees for the fucking studio. Dude, we do need a palm tree. Get, get I actually tree. wanted
1: to get a palm tree. I was actually going to get one in the spring and put it in the corner of the room. Um, really? But apparently they have... Can they grow inside? Yeah. You, you get indoor palms. Really? They're expensive. Yeah, palm trees are kind of expensive. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I was thinking about like, getting an indoor palm and I didn't for some reason. Probably I think because it has... You can get like bugs in them.
0: Okay. Yeah. But fair. I want a palm tree. I love Let's trees. get a palm tree up right back. Yeah, we'll get oh, you, palm tree. you know I love palm trees. I got a palm tree on my ass. On my <laughs> butt patch. I was going to say, you get a tattoo? Or... <laughs> get a tattoo. <laughs> Um, I wrote this in there. We got to give a shout out to Misha and Sam. They just recently got engaged. Um, that's really exciting. We're stoked to hear that.
1: Yeah, Misha, our good friends, Misha Partridge um, and Sam got engaged. Yeah. So happy for them. We've been friends. I've been friends with Misha since I was a kid. Yeah. And obviously We've been, been friends been fr- with Sam since Misha started dating her. Like, They're whatever, so much fun. They're great ago. people. Awesome people. Oh, I love them. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah. I feel like we're at that age now where every time you go on Facebook, oh, we're having a baby. Oh, we're engaged.
0: Oh. <laughs> Honestly, though, yeah, yeah, for them too, it feels like it was a long time coming. Oh yeah, they, they were just such a good couple. So yeah,
1: and they've been yeah. living together for a while. Yeah, they have. Yeah. yeah so, um, fucking what else? Oh, guys, we can't describe how good our new equipment is. Dude, we just, we just want to put that in. We were
0: messing with it before the show. <laughs> if you can see us behind the microphones right now. Oh
1: my God. You people, you're never going to complain about sound quality again.
0: Yeah, if anybody do, well, then you guys should just fuck right off. Seriously, this, this is going to be fantastic. It is going to be
1: unreal. Yeah.
0: Like, I can't tell you, I
1: just can't describe how legit it's going to be.
0: You know, if there was like um, a, a setup that was like a, a, you know, a porn podcasting setup, this would be like, you know, the brandy love. Dude, it's seriously, it is, <laughs> one, it is the quality is going to be second to none. Top notch. Top notch. Yeah. I can't wait for, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Oh, I, we're going to be able to wear headphones. We're going to have microphones.
0: Yeah, Tori's not going to have to yell at me behind the scenes being like, bro, turn it up a little bit. Dude, it's going to be dialed. And we're going to yeah. have,
1: um, with a person phone, so it's over Bluetooth, so it's going to go right into the mixer. We yeah. can raise their level. We're going to have all the volumes the same. We're going to have a max volume, minimum volume, everything.
0: Yeah, if anybody knows like the janky way we do it, we put literally the iPhone in a little stand and put it just beside the microphone. <laughs> and then we just talk. And it works, like we said. And it but... works. And the, like, the quality, I think, in this one's pretty good. But the
1: quality with Maris, I don't know why. Sorry for people that like obviously Maris was a great guest, but the quality mm-hmm. on his end was crap. Mm-hmm. I don't know why what happened, but yeah. sometimes it just works out like that over the call. Yeah. And there's nothing we could really do about it at this point.
0: And we're not we're not the tech guys that you know that no. I don't know AT and T that know what we're doing there. No, I know. So we're um, really we're really excited for this.
1: I was gonna say something. Can't
0: remember what I was gonna say. Did you have another rant?
1: No, I didn't have another rant. No other rant. Alright. Well thanks to Proget Europe. Winning starts to the hell of a gate. I mean, hell winning starts at the gate. great gate.
0: You know what? At Chula Vista Max they have great gates because of horsepower hour. Gates fast at Chula. It is really fast. I love it. Like honestly, I I never feel as fast. It's it's kind of annoying because I go to any other gate and I'm like, wow, this like I'm, I'm a, i I'm disappointed. Yeah, all gates should be like that. So Pro gate Europe, though, that's crank where you crank up that
1: air pressure tracks. <laughs> there you go. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week for a a pretty pretty good show. It'll be a special. It's a special show. It's a big show. Stay tuned, guys. Next week's a special show. We'll see you next week.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening.